Good morning, good evening, and uh, happy Friday to all you guys. Uh, quick annou- announcement, it is Mental Health Awareness Month in May, so if you guys and girls are dealing with difficult things in your lives, make sure to get the necessary help and tips to manage your mental health to be the best version of yourself. Also, our condolences to the Blanks family. Lance Blanks played for uh, the Pistons and Timberwolves in his day and went on to be an executive for the Suns, Clippers, and Spurs. Lance was only 56, so rest in peace as we take a moment of silence for Lance. You guys are currently listening to the Shot Side Podcast, episode 56, hosted by yours truly, Alex Erickson, with special guest Matt Rungi. I mean, I guess at this point, Matt, you're not really a special guest anymore since you've been on so many. <laughs> yeah, pretty common guest. <laughs> Uh, you can find more of our content on our socials on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shots Aside. Send us your comments, questions, and concerns in the com- comments section below. Or uh, for quicker answers, send them to our Gmail account at ShotsAside at gmail.com. With that being said, uh, we have some intriguing and gripping storylines to discuss with you guys today. That being the NBA awards that have all been announced we have um, Boston leveling the series up to the Sixers. I believe that game's going on right now as we are speaking. Um, Matt, do you know what the score is of that game right now? Yeah, as we speak, it's 70 to 62. Boston's winning. Okay. okay. Uh, this one's on the road in Philly, too. Right. Big game three. Um, we'll also get into the uh, Warriors and Chef Curry evening up the series with the Lakers. Big win for them. Um, and then we have some imp- important injury news involving the Suns and Nuggets series, as well as the Knicks and Heat series, uh, dealing with, you know, Jalen Brunson, Jimmy Butler, uh, and also Chris Paul. So let's get started, Matt. Um, one more thing. I am a little sick, so I might sound a little nasally. Uh, so just stick with me today. Um, but uh, looking into the awards, uh, MVP was announced, I believe, on Wednesday, if I'm correct. With uh, Joel Embiid winning it. Yeah. yeah. Um, big win for Joel Embiid. Um, I know him, you know, his teammates. We saw that video of of him and his teammates and how much it meant to him um, for winning that MB- first MVP. Uh, and then you got Rookie of the Year, Paolo Bancaro. I think a lot of people thought he was going to win it. Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, most improved was Lloyd Markinen. Sixth man was Malcolm Brogdon. Coach of the Year goes to Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings. And then, uh, you know, a bunch of Sacramento Kings players and uh, coaches slash execs uh, won some good awards. So De'Aaron Fox won clutch player. Uh, and then the GM for the Kings, McNair, was named exec of the year. Uh, Matt, what did you think of these NBA awards? And then uh, how are they related to what you picked for your awards? I should say. Yeah, I think uh, most of the awards were pretty... Uh... You know, cut and dry, pretty expected. Um, the biggest variations for my um, predictions compared to the actual ones was Embiid winning MVP. I picked Giannis. Um, I mean, really probably could have picked uh, Giannis, Embiid, or Jokic. You can't really go wrong with either of them. Um, I understand, but Joel was the leading scorer of the league. I mean, he's... You kind of had at a certain point, you kind of had to give him one because um, Giannis and uh, Jokic have already won one, so two for Jokic. Um, 
Maybe two for Giannis, too. I can't yeah, remember. two for Giannis um, as well. Yeah, two for Giannis, too, right? Both back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was either way it was deserved, though, because, I mean, he he's had a pretty stellar year. He's pretty dominant when he's out there. Um, so that was, that was one that I got wrong. And then uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think pretty much most people had him as defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, same with Laurie Markinen. Uh, that was pretty common. Most improved pick. Um, and then rookie of the year was, I think, pretty clearly Paolo. Um, and speaking of Paolo, too, if you, any of you listeners are um, also fans of uh, the Woj pod, Paolo was just on there the other day. And that was a pretty good listen. If you want to, if you're interested in any uh, magic Paolo Ban- Bancaro talk, um, pretty interesting to hear his perspective on it kind of just how he likes to let the game come to him um because that's the type of player he wants to be in this league um so yeah i'd go give that a listen if you're interested in hearing a little bit more of the the young rookie of the year's perspective on the game yeah um he also had a cool story in there about his first time playing lebron and how um pretty much just like literally anything lebron did people would cheer for which he (laughs) he thought was just like pretty like insane. Like you don't really realize how popular somebody really is until you are like playing with them. And like literally every, he's like, he could do like even just a basic pass and like there'd be like loud cheers. And it was in Orlando too. So it, it was kind of funny him, him talking about that. But um, yeah, what were you going to say? I'm sorry no, I cut you off. No, you did, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, as much as it is, fun and awesome to listen to us talk about basketball i mean i'd say it's a little bit more um interesting to talk about the actual players that are playing the game and hearing what their thought process is not only on the game but also their peers that play the game as well but um i thought you know i listened to it as well i thought it was pretty informative to hear a rookie talk the way he does i thought he was um very mature uh had you know, a lot of good answers to a lot of the questions Woj was asking and um, definitely something that our fans should definitely uh, listen to as well. But, you know, I I th- think, did, did you have something to say as well? Yeah, I was just going to, I could continue on with the oh, words yeah. if you yeah, want. Go ahead. Or, um, I was just going to say the other one that I, I got wrong um, was the Malcolm Brogdon, six man of the year. I kind of, kind of went with like the, you know, the hot take or not hot take, but like the hot, um, you know, recency bias with Austin Reeves for that one. Um, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon has been playing great at six man of the year. Wait, um, you went with, you went with Reeves as well. Yeah, I went with Reeves as well. I thought, I mean, at the time he was playing pretty incredible off the bench. Um, yeah. but obviously he moved into the starting lineup too. And, Brogdon's just been playing good all year off the bench, and he hasn't really – I don't even know if he's started at all this year, maybe a, a couple games here and there. Um, but for the most part, they roll with their normal five. Sometimes Robert Williams and Derek White will switch in and out, um, depending on who's playing, because Robert Williams missed some time. But, um, yeah, that was pretty much the only variation. I don't think I, I picked a GM. Um, I'm not sure if you did or not. Um, I, but it was McNair that won it. Yeah, I picked uh, Kobe Altman of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But, um, yeah, I thought the Kings definitely added a lot more pieces besides, you know, Cleveland just adding that one major player in Donovan Mitchell. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, we really saw it in the playoff series, too, against the Warriors. Uh, like, Malik uh, Monk was going off. He was a nice addition for them um, this offseason. Kevin Herter had some... He struggled at times throughout the series, but that he had one game where, especially in game six, he had a really good game, which helped force that game seven. Um, that was a nice addition by them. Nice trade with the Hawks there. Keegan Murray, their um, draft and then just dra- draft, Yeah, drafting Keegan Murray, I think. Uh, I mean, the sky looks a lot higher for Keegan Murray after that playoff series. He looked pretty, pretty good in that, um, toward, especially after game two going forward. Um, but yeah, I thought... The Kings uh, definitely made some nice moves, and um, you know they're maybe even a player or two away from. I don't even know if it has to be a star; even it could just be like another like high level role player, um, maybe a star. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you do some or, with a bonus though too, because you saw how much like yeah. Looney just impacted on the glass against the Kings, and then. Um, it, maybe it doesn't have to be trading Sabonis, but getting like another big in there to just be able to, you know, get in there with the big boys. Yeah, I, that's what I kind of felt in that series too a little bit is that like, you know, like Alex Len shouldn't be playing in an NBA game. And he did decent um, at times, but. It, he did decent, but at, at, at the same time, that's not who you really want out no. there. Um, and then Trey Lyles, I mean, he, he played he played decent, but like at the end of the day like there's better bigs out there right um so that they'll probably address that this offseason um i mean i it was a smart move getting sabonis i think hal burton's a good player as well but i think sabonis kind of just fits this roster a little bit better um just because i mean we saw how bad their bigs can be um True. in this series outside of sabonis so um but yeah, I mean, all in all, like, I don't think any of us thought we'd be lighting the beam at all in the playoffs. Um, Especially taking the and, defending and, champs to seven, too. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and here we were. So great job at McNair this off or last off season. Um, but yeah, those. I think most of the awards were pretty expected. Um, yeah, I mean, the only yeah. difference is you didn't get the MVP right. I did. Picked it, Joel. Um, I think. I mean, surprisingly, we both had Austin Reeves for six-man, which, I mean, going into next year, there's no way Austin Reeves is going to be a six-man. I know he did have a – he struggled in game two, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough to put him in six-man when he, he is a starter on this Lakers squad. But, um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, deserved it. Mike Brown definitely deserved it. Like you said, a lot of good points. Um, and then I don't think there was anybody else that was more clutch, especially during the regular season, than De'Aaron Fox. And um, it shows, you know, on the court and film. It shows on the stat sheet. Um, and then Rookie of the Year with Paolo, I think, um, makes sense as well. And then you mentioned Laurie Markkinen and then Jaron Jackson, I think, um, there might have been some Evan Mobley smoke out there, especially from the uh, Boston guys um, with Bill Simmons um, and those guys. But um, I thought Jared Jackson was um, definitely the best rim protector during the regular season. Um, moving on, Matt, um, if you want to, we can talk about this this game that we just watched last night where, um, you know, I I think I texted you. I was like, what, you know, this is going to be a close game going into halftime. 
with the Lord, with the Warriors and Lakers. And then come third quarter, I bet you the Warriors have one of those third quarters where they just absolutely obliterate the Lakers. And then, you know, I think I said too that, you know, watch for the Lakers to rest their starters in the fourth quarter, which, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a guess, but I also wasn't for sh- like sure that it was going to happen. So it was crazy to see how that game two kind of, you know, fizzled its way out. But your thoughts on just uh, game two of the L- Lakers Warriors series that is evened up at one apiece. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, outside of the first quarter, like really it was pretty much all Warriors. Um, Lakers started fairly strong. They got, um, they're up at, at the end of the first quarter by seven. Um, but then really, it, it really just came down to, um, you know, Clay Thompson having an incredible game um, shooting. Like he was hitting big shot after big shot. Uh, he had, it was eight for 11 from three. Um, you know, anytime you can hit uh, a fading shot to the, in the corner um, with a defender's hand right in your face, um, it's pretty, pretty tough to stop. And it's pretty demoralizing for a defense. Um, and then on top of that, uh, they also made a huge adjustment too, by starting to Michael green, which really yeah, it was go able to go small. spread the floor out. Yeah. It, that's what helps spread the floor out for them too, is, they started setting um, higher ball screens too, um, towards the top of the, the key to kind of expand the floor and make it tougher um, for AD to just sit in the paint. Because when Looney and Draymond are out there, it kind of gives them two people that they can just lay off of, um, and it gives AD a lot more range to be able to just sit in the paint and just alter every single shot when they drive towards the basket. So this way, kind of spreading it out to like four corners doing high high ball screens higher like right as they cross the half court pretty much right um and then basically even though Steph didn't didn't have like that many points he only had 20 points he was a huge reason why they were doing so good was because he, he had 12 assists but on top of that he had a ton of hockey assists too which is um the next person gets the assist just because he he was doing a great job by um directing you know like defenders with his dribbling and stuff like that um getting to spots where he needed to set other people up to be successful and get good looks at the basket um he was really efficient so that, too. that seven of 12 is yeah um so that really helped and that one uh, one other thing that i really liked from the warriors was yeah uh, draymond was doing a really good job of like tipping rebounds to players uh, there was multiple times where instead of getting the rebound he it was pretty much a pass because he tipped them right to like Clay and Jordan Poole um, for easy putbacks. And I thought plays like that are, are winning plays that really helped the Warriors last night. Um, and then just, I don't know if you want to talk about the Warriors at all, but we could go more on the Lakers side now and talk a little bit about them. Or Yeah, I mean, I'll touch base on them real quick. But when you have Draymond Green, who matches Anthony Davis in points, both got 11 apiece. Uh, usually that's going to end poorly for the Lakers and um, a 27 beatdown, which was over after I'd say halfway through the third quarter in this game. um, You know, you're expecting a lot more from AD in in this game. And um, I think on, even on ESPN, they had a thing where um, I I believe it's in games two, four and six, like every other game um, AD was doing poorly. So like, 
his game ones, threes, and fives um, so far in the playoffs have been, you know, I think he's averaged like close to 29 and 13 rebounds. Uh, and then in games two, four, and six, he's averaging close to like, I think it's like 13 or 14 points and like seven boards. So huge swing that you're getting from AD. And uh, if they're going to beat this Warrior squad, he's got to be more consistent. Uh, he wasn't in this game, um, especially with Looney not, you know, what, Looney played 12 minutes today. Um, the fact that he only had seven boards and really wasn't a factor on the boards or, you know, interior in general, um, you know, it, it's not what you, what you want to see. And then um, I, I kind of felt bad for LeBron because, Early on, it just it felt like he was on. He was feeling the game out a little bit, but he had to do a little bit more scoring this game. And, you know, players like Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, you know, and then their bench besides Hachimura, who put up 21 points, none of them really came to play. And it kind of just looked to me like they were just milking this one in, ready to just take that 1-1 series to L.A. for these next two games. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that, kind of. I mean, they just really didn't look like, besides LeBron and uh, Hachimura, like you said, like, I mean, Austin Reeves played absolutely terrible. He couldn't couldn't keep up with Clay. It looked like he was tired. He was short on a lot of his threes. Um, then they're really out of their whole guard play. Like, D'Lo, Hachi, or D'Lo Reeves, and Schroeder were just abysmal out there yesterday. Um, they combined, like, I'm pretty sure it was, like, around, like, one for 10 from three or something like that between the three of them. Um, and just in general, they just didn't play well, um, which is a strike, um, you know, contrast to, to the game one. They all played pretty well, um, even though obviously AD was the, the main factor in game one. Um, I think it, what's interesting about this, too, is that, like, I think AD gets a little bit too much flack, too, for um, how poorly he played in this game when he still added three blocks and a steal on defense. And, I mean, he's pretty much the only defender that the Lakers had yesterday. I mean, LeBron let Draymond go right past him for an easy layup. He let Jordan Poole go right past him. It was like a turnstile, um, which, I mean, it's it's fine because he's 38 years old. But, like, when LeBron has to be one of your best defenders, it's a little bit concerning because they did a good job of taking Vanderbilt out of this game. Um, Because he was a big factor in, like, harassing Curry in game one, as they said, you know, we're going to have an extra shooter out there now, and now we're going to set screens on Vanderbilt five feet behind the three-point line and have him running around chasing everybody. We're going to have Clay and um, running around even more with Reeves trying to hang on for his dear life, trying to catch Clay. Um, And at a certain point, it got – they did a great job of – taking Anthony Davis out on pick and rolls to try to, it was either come up as far as you can to guard the clay three for Anthony Davis or let them get a basket on the backside of cutters um, by passing it to Draymond in the middle off of the screen. So, I mean, they had a good game plan. I think the, the Lakers will make adjustments. That's just what teams do in the playoffs. It's kind of, you know, seeing what people counter with and then making your own adjustments. And I think, um, they'll be ready for game three. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think it's, this series is going to be good in general, I think. Yeah. And I think you said it perfectly, you know, the Warriors made adjustments for this game too. The Lakers didn't. And, 
uh the playoffs are you know it's a game of switching up how you play from game to game if you want to continue to win games so um i expect the lakers to be a lot better in this next game um i also want to touch base so i love how the media you know blew up the decision of jordan Poole taking that uh deep three in game one um personally i have zero issues with jordan Poole taking that deep three he had nobody guarding him um and it was a chance to tie the game too they were down by three at that point so i have no issues with him taking that shot a lot of people are gonna you know take some shots on him for you know not either driving it and dishing it off to either steph or clay and letting them take the three but um you know i think they made the right adjustments in game two and and now we have a series on our hands so um it should be a fun one yeah, i think think uh, you know like uh, on that play like the bigger issue was the play before when Andrew Wiggins let D'Lo get a little bank shot right. on him to put him up by two. Like, I feel like Wiggins has to play better defense on that play. It shouldn't come down to a deep three by pool True. if you play better True. defense. Yeah, and I mean, Lakers were definitely playing a lot better that game one, and they had more rest too, which definitely helped in winning that mm-hmm. first game. But um, moving on to the game that is going on right now, Matt, if you want to give a quick score update, I'm not sure what the Celtics Sixers game is looking like right now. Yeah, it actually just went to a commercial, but it, I think it's the end of the third. I think it's 88-77. Uh, Celtics are leading. Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, huge. Well, yeah. That'd be a huge win for Boston in in Philly. Um, I kind of want to talk about game two a little bit. Um, we saw Malcolm Brogdon and J- Jalen Brown combined for 48. Uh, they really kind of just blew Philly out of the waters, especially with Embiid coming back, which um, to me, he didn't look 100%. Uh, and, and maybe you feel differently, but... Um, you know, Joel didn't really play that great. James Harden kind of was trying to see if Joel was going to, you know, get back to how he was playing in the first series uh, in the playoffs. But uh, I think they just came out slow, didn't make adjustments, kind of like the Lakers. Um, and, you know, Boston just capitalized on that. And, and just like the Warriors did, they took that third quarter and just kind of ran away with it. Um, your thoughts on just... Um, not only game two, but also just how this series is looking for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you completely that Joel did definitely did not look like himself out there. Um, you know, a, a certain part of me thought, like, why is he even out there at some points? Um, like, I mean, maybe I would have just saved him until they got back to Philly since they were able to steal game one. Um, like, because you have to think that, like, getting out of there just – splitting it is pretty good um considering Embiid was out for the first game um but he did play um he played poorly I thought um and even just like the whole team in general played poorly like James Harden was like (laughs) I don't know how you go from being the (laughs) the way he was in the first game you just went absolutely absolutely dominated the first game with 45 points (laughs) and what seven threes it's kind of like the AD yeah, effect, and- like where how AD had a great first game and so did James Harden. And then game two comes around and they just don't have that same then energy. He goes 0 for 6 from 3, 2 for 14 from the field. Um, he didn't have any turnovers, but still, like, you can't shoot that bad and expect to win when Joel Embiid's not even fully healthy. Um, and then sa- same for some of the role players, too. Like, Melton was pretty bad. 
Um, he did pretty good in the first game. Then he had two points in the second game, one for five from the field. Um, you know, just overall, like, I think the series is kind of like tilting towards Boston. Um, just to, even if Embiid's back, just because I feel like he's not fully back. I feel like he's playing, trying to play through it. Um, he said himself that it was a four to six week injury. Um, so you can tell he's obviously gotten it out. And I, I do respect him for that. I, I like to see players kind of like gut it out as long as it's not going to like, you know, like be like super impactful, like long term. Um, right. Uh, you know, like cause any like, you know, long lasting things and stuff like Which that. Which he's but... had injury issues in the past. And so has a lot of the players on the team, James Harden, one of them. So, you know. I think personally, I think this series has immense importance when it comes to probably who wins the NBA finals. Cause um, I don't know what your thought process is on this, but I think one of either the Sixers or Boston will probably have a really good chance of winning the NBA finals, especially with the next matchup being between Miami or New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say the winner of the series will go to the finals. I think the winner of the Lakers Warriors series will win the finals, in my really? opinion. Um, That's bold. Yeah, I just think. I mean, I think. I think. Uh, you know, the Suns Nuggets series. It'll be interesting to see how the Suns bounce back tonight. But uh, I mean, the Nuggets beat a team with uh, a T Wolves team. They they struggled at times with. Uh, they didn't have Jalen McDaniels, who's one of the best defenders in the league. Three three key they injuries not, on that team. Yeah, didn't have Nas Reed. Um, and then this one, Chris Paul, we'll talk about in a sec, but he's out now. Um, they don't really have any bench. Um, DeAndre Ayton plays like half the game. Uh, sometimes he just watches the game on the court. Um, and then, so I, I don't know if I fully trust the Nuggets yet. Um, obviously, Jamal Murray's balling out. We'll, we'll talk about them in a sec, but going back to the Sixers Celtics series, I just. I feel like we've seen the the Celtics against the Warriors. Like, I don't think they've changed too drastically, like, th- this year from last year. Um, I mean, they added Brogdon, but at the end of the day, like, the Warriors also added some pieces. They added DiVincenzo. They added Michael Green. Um, they're still pretty versatile. They don't have Otto Porter, but um, I think they're still a pretty versatile lineup. I think Moody actually adds a lot to their team. Um, at times, like he's kind of a nice spark off the bench for the Warriors. Play better in game um, two, definitely. But I think it, it's kind of interesting. I, I kind of see like the Warriors and the Celtics as like really similar teams, and then I I think the Lakers and the Sixers are pretty similar teams. Yeah. Um, where like they have dominant big man. Um, so those, I mean, those two would, I think the winner of both series will play each other in the finals. So it'll be interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't um, think a yeah. lot of us are giving Denver oh my God, any dude. credit. Um, George Niang just got his ankles broke. <laughs> by who? <laughs> I think it was smart. By smart. I was just going to talk about smart too. I was going to say like. I, th- I think he might've just tripped, but it was still pretty okay. funny. Yeah. I mean, smart's been, I, I don't think smarts look the same as he has definitely since last year when he won defensive player of the year. And then for Boston, for me, you know, you need to get more out of Jason Tatum. I think he had what, seven points in game two. Um, I'm not sure. Did he have, did he get injured or anything or like, was it just cause they were blowing out Philly? 
I th- I think he might even be like going through like an injury too because right they were kind of looking at him at the end of the third quarter here too so I'm not not really sure what's going on Tatum okay and then you know also you know Grant Williams played a lot more minutes I expect him to get a little bit more minutes especially if Tatum's hampered with injury and then uh, you also need Robert Williams and Al Horford to you know slow down Joel Embiid um, as much as they can and then you also need you know, Jalen Brown, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Brogdon, those four guards are premier talents in this league. And I think mostly anybody would love to have one, if not multiple, of those guys on their team. So um, it's going to be tough for Philly to kind of slow down those guards. But, you know, you're, Doc Rivers has a lot of on his hands. And I think the role players that Doc, River, Doc Rivers throws out there are going to be very important in this series going forward, whether it's, you know, Maxi stepping up. You're going to need big minutes out of George Niang and Melton. And then maybe you throw in Milton in there as well. But, you know, it's just, it's it's tough when Boston has, you know, not only that starting five as they do, but also you bring in the sixth man of the year off the bench. Um, and then you got Grant Williams, who's been resting pretty much this entire playoffs, ready to go. Um, it just makes it tougher, especially when you don't have you know, James Harden putting up 45 every single night. And also, you know, Joel Embiid still a little hampered with the injury that he has as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, and Grant Williams actually, like he doesn't really show up in the stat sheet, but he's a physical guy that they can throw on Embiid at times too. Uh, that's kind of what they've been doing. Um, a certain amount. He, Embiid absolutely torched him in the regular season. That was when he dropped 52, but in the playoffs, he's been decent against Embiid. Yeah, maybe a little less talkative version of Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah, um, the Dylan Brooks that doesn't wear a wife beater to <laughs> interviews. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about Dylan Brooks a little bit? Like, there's been some flack on just how he goes about himself, and then also Memphis telling, I don't know who leaked it, but. I'm sure it's somebody in the Memphis Grizzlies organization that probably somebody higher up that was like, Hey, we're not bringing you back um, for next year. And I mean, I'm sure there's going to be interest throughout the league. I think uh, Detroit said they have interest of bringing in Dylan Brooks, but um, what are your thoughts on like what the, this kind of means for Dylan Brooks and um, you know, how these antics have kind of shaped his career to be like that villain. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, and I feel like he. I will. I was. I would never say I was a fan of him because I. I mean, I really didn't like as a T Bulls fan too. Like we saw it last year, some. Yeah. Um, but I. I was kind. I mean, I. I like when people are aggressive. I like when like people are kind of like, you know, like that Pat Bev, Lance Stevenson type of past. Um, it's more like when you start saying like absurd stuff. Like you know, like we're a dynasty before they've even won a single championship, um, and stuff like saying stuff about like LeBron that like I mean, it's clear LeBron's resume is like <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, so I, I feel like at a certain point, like it it's just corny. Um, but it I would I would, if if I was him, I mean, it's more like just like on the court stuff, like just let your game play like be just a a pest on defense uh i still think he's a good defender 
um, even if it doesn't, you know, yeah, he just always show. He I, just fell into like a little shell, though. Like when it came to on the offensive end of the ball, because they, I mean, there were times where they were just leaving Brooks wide open, and you know, sometimes I think early in game six he was he made like two threes, but other than that, he was pretty much bricking every three he put up. Yeah, I mean, he was bricking things left and right too. Um, and I think part of that too is like when when you talk so much, like you bring like every time he, in LA when he touched the ball, like there was like even on the TV you could hear the booze; they were that loud. Yeah. Um, when he touched the ball, so like you're really just bringing more pressure on yourself. And I mean, I guess pressure can be good some for some people, but I think if you're a role player, I think you kind of just want to let your game do the talking. And, and also I, th- I think it's really corny to only talk to the media after you win in game two. And then when you I... have bad performances and lose and don't talk to the media, I just think that's, I mean, that kind of shows that you're not about it in my opinion. Yeah. There's a difference between having pressure that's already put on you in a series, but also bringing unneeded pressure to you, not only you, but your team as well. Um, and then you don't pull through that. I mean, it's expected to get that hate from the media after you say all this stuff and then can't back it up. So, um, personally, I don't feel bad for Dylan Brooks, but, um, I don't think he's, you know, just a scrub player. I think he's a good player and will fit good on, you know, a number of teams in this league, but, um, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I, th- I think he can be like a good culture changer for some teams. Like, um, uh, is there any like situation that you think he would maybe be a good fit in going forward? Um, yeah, well, I, cause I think he's a free agent, isn't he? Yeah, he's a free agent. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, Memphis is that grit and grind. He kind of resembled that grit and grind. And another franchise that has been known for that who has already shown interest in him is Detroit. So I think he'd fit in well with Detroit, just kind of changing, um, you know, that scenario there and also helping players like, you know, Kate Cunningham, uh, Jaden Ivey, a lot of, you know, Duran, a lot of their younger talent kind of, you know, grow up a little quicker and, and start to win meaningful games, games and maybe get to a, you know, seven or eight seed in the playoffs. But uh, do you have anybody in mind that any team that in mind that you think he would fit good up? Yeah, I like the Pistons one. Uh, one team that I had in mind was um, maybe like the Rockets. I think um, he'd be a nice. Uh, they've kind of had a you know kind of a shaky culture, especially with their coach. I know a lot of people think they played AAU basketball um, the whole year. Um, then bringing in somebody like Udoka, I think. Yudoka might like him as a player, um, kind of somebody that could bring like that Celtics type defensive ma- mentality a little bit. Um, I don't know if he'd be a big fan of the talking, but maybe it, it wouldn't follow. Um, right. I'm sure his agent will tell him that like he might have to tone it down so that he gets a contract. Um, but I think he could fit in with the Rockets culture. I mean, a lot of it for these young teams, it really depends on where they pick too. Like, because like if they get somebody like Brandon Miller, they might be less likely to bring in like a small forward. Um, yeah, and he, I mean, if he's willing yeah. to take a little bit less money, which I mean, I don't think he will, but you know, maybe be that six man off the bench, kind of like what Brogdon did after he was a starter for so many years, and then 
now is coming off the bench for the Celtics. But it'll be interesting to see where he kind of ends up and then what kind of impact that he has on his new team as he will not be uh, returning to Memphis as of what I've been told. So, but um, I made that pretty clear. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back off the break, we will talk about Chris Paul and the Suns just a little bit. We won't talk about too much. I kind of want to save it for when Adam comes on the pod we'll let, tomorrow. Yeah, we'll let Adam talk about right. it. Right. So we'll talk about them a little bit and then we'll finish off with uh, the Knicks Heat series. We'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. Um, looking at this uh, Phoenix Suns Denver Nuggets series, currently Denver won both their games at home. They're up 2 0 in this series uh, with game three tipping off in about, which I think it should be tipping off in about like 10 minutes here as we're doing the podcast. So um, as of now, Phoenix is favored by four. I don't know if that's the case because. As we're going to talk about here, Chris Paul will miss game three uh, for the Suns in a crucial game. Um, and it could be longer than just this game three. I've I've heard it could be game four. Um, he looks doubtful for game four and uh, maybe the rest of the series. So, um, Matt, what are your thoughts on just what the loss is for not only this Phoenix Suns team in losing Chris Paul, but who's going to have to step up for you in your eyes? Um, you know, like you, you kind of want to say like, like backup players that will replace him, like campaign or something like that. But I mean, really, it, it's going to come down to Katie and Booker. They got to be phenomenal if they're going to win. Um, in my opinion, just because the lack of depth of this team, and uh, you know, they haven't really had that great of a game yet. And like, there it was a pretty offensive struggle in uh, the game too. Um. I think they only scored maybe like 87 points, if I remember correct. Yep, 87 um, to 98, is, I believe. Mean, it's pretty uh, incredible when you consider that they have two of the best offense players in the league on their team, um, and Booker and KD. Um, they just seemed out of sorts at time. Um, that's where you really miss Chris Paul is, uh, you know, like settling things down, um, really distributing the ball, finding guys, creating shots for people, because. Um, Really, KD is not really that much of a. I mean, he can pass, but like, he's not really like going to create shots for other players, besides just the gravity of himself drawing doubles and stuff like that. Well, I mean, him and Booker um, are going to have to do that a lot more now that Chris Paul is out, because you can't really count on campaign to just do all of that from the backup point guard position. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's more of like Booker that has to do it because I, in my my eyes, I KD's not really like. He's never really been that much of a good passer. I mean, like he, he can pass. Like, he did I for the Nets. That. He was averaging like I a triple double for the Nets before he got traded. Yeah, but at the same time, they still had Kyrie, and then like before that, they had Harden, who was good. Um, right. I'm not saying he's a bad passer. I'm just saying his is more of like he gets double teamed and he passes the open person. They hit the shot. Yeah, I'm just um, I'm just saying like the from what we're seeing now with him just averaging like two assists. He'll probably have to bump that up to around the five, six, seven range for them to, you know, for him not only to get himself going, but also those other backups that really need to step up. Yeah, uh, I'm more saying just like that, like really, it's got to be like Devin Booker that's like the point guard kind of. Okay. Like I think yeah. I think Booker's got to average like ten assists without Chris Paul. 
um, because I think he he can do that. And I think um, re- apart from those two, like though, like DeAndre Ayton's got to play better. Um, he's got to play more intense. He's got to be. Um, you know, more aggressive with Jokic on defense. He can't let Jokic bully him. Um, and hopefully, like, the home crowd plays into it a little bit. Like, hopefully that can get him going. Sometimes, like, players are just more motivated at home. Um, another thing, if I was the Suns, I would maybe try, like, playing, like, Terrence Ross a little bit more. Like, maybe he yeah. could give him a spark off the bench. Or TJ Warren. Um, yeah, TJ Warren. Or just, just trying something new, like... That's kind of what, why, like, I respect Steve Kerr so much is that, like, he's willing to take a risk and play somebody like Jermichael Green, who really didn't – I don't even know if he played in the Kings series, maybe just sparingly. No, I think he played, like, um, combined – I think it was, like, 13 minutes in the series. And it was really, just, like – the whole Kings series? Yeah, and he put up five points. And then in this game, too, he put up uh, – what was it? It's, like 15 13 or, something or like that, 15 or yeah, in 16 minutes so crazy well but yeah it's just like stuff like that is like i think it's nice to take risks and i think you have to take risks especially when you're down 2-0 you kind of have to um because clearly what they're doing right now wasn't hasn't been working right um so you kind of need to find somebody off the bench that can get some scoring um but like because it really the sun's like they're going to have to outscore the other team. They're not going to be able to play lockdown defense. Um, Cause like even like last game, like Murray had a pretty bad game shooting and they still like couldn't get it done. So yeah, I don't know. Those are just my thoughts right now. I think, I mean, game three could definitely change my mind a lot, but we'll have to see. Right. And I know a lot of people slash fans chose Phoenix to probably make it to the finals. Um, I know Adam was definitely one of them. Uh, I had the Clippers, which, looking back at it, it's not great, especially with the injury woes that the Clippers went through and uh, losing first round didn't help. So, um, But speaking on the Suns and this series, I think, you know, Coach Monty Williams has, he, he's got to try a different lineup, especially with Chris Paul out. Um, Okogi hasn't really done much for them. Um, I expect Torrey Craig to kind of get more minutes and kind of play like he did in that in that first series and and be a sharpshooter but also a, a quality defender on like you know michael porter jr and maybe not as much aaron gordon because he's not that great of a scorer um and then you know at the center position behind eight and you're i mean it's tough because i mean you'll what you put in biombo maybe jock landell probably not but with those two centers, I mean, you're not getting much offense from either one of those. Maybe a little defense out of Biombo and rebounding. Uh, and then also Damian Lee, who should get some more playing minutes, but he's been struggling from three uh, as of lately. And then also campaign has been struggling as well. I think he was – he had two points in their last game, one of seven shooting, zero of four from deep in game two. Um, you know <laughs> – it's, it's tough because normally I would just turn to Adam and be like, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on how they can kind of, you know, settle the ship as Chris Paul's out? And maybe he would have a better answer. But I just don't see much coming off their bench that can maybe, you know, bring what Chris Paul brings uh, to setting up an offense. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely agree with that. And really it's uh kind of disappointing that they're they're down 0-2 when 
Uh, you know, just even looking at their, their stats here, like um, Michael Porter Jr. shooting 16% from three so far in this series. Um, wow. <laughs> Jamal Murray shooting 31% from three. Um, Bruce yep. Brown shooting 0% from three. Um, and those are guys that had pretty big impacts in that, that Wolves series. Um, really, it's just been um, DeAndre Ayton getting absolutely just abused by Jokic. Jokic averaging... 31 and a half, nearly 18 boards per game in these first two games. Right. Um, Aiden just got to play better. It's just as simple as that. Um, you got paid like you're a star player, so you got to play like a star player in the playoffs. Right. And, you know, I'm not expecting him to be at Jokic's level, but if he can be at least half of what Jokic is doing or three-fourths of it and also, you know, playing some solid defense, which – you know, we haven't seen since the bubble. Um, that'll go a long ways in this series, but I don't want to spend yeah. a ton of time on Phoenix because we'll save it for uh, next podcast. But uh, Matt, if there's anything you want to close out on this topic, and we'll move on. Uh, no, uh, I was actually going to add a different topic, but we can either do it at the end or whenever. Okay, we can do it at the end. Um, um, yeah. yeah, so moving on, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brunson. Well, actually, let's just do it now just because okay. it kind of okay. like it plays into this a little bit. Um, All right. Since we hadn't talked about it, I was just going to get your thoughts kind of on like the boot and holes are firing. Um, just like, I mean, it kind of ties into Miami just because that's who they lost to. So right. um, for those not aware, uh, Mike Budenholzer, I think, uh, I'm not sure how long. It, I think it was like five. Five years? I'm not sure off the top of my head, honestly. Um, but he got fired as the coach for the Milwaukee Bucks um, after a disappointing first-round exit to the Heat, in which they had the best record in the league, and then lost in five. Um, yeah, so just kind of give me your thoughts. Like, what do you think about these, like, coaches that have won championships, like, you know, like Nick Nurse and Frank Vogel, who get fired, like, within, like, two or three years, you know, like – you kind of agree with these or are they kind of just all situational or yeah so it's funny because the last time that we saw a coach that had the best record in the nba i believe is current kings head coach mike brown who uh was on the cleveland cavaliers at the time um had the best uh record in the league with Cavs with lebron um and then got fired later that year and they brought in who'd they bring in um it wasn't Lou, was it? Was it David Blatt, maybe? I think it was David yeah, Blatt. Yeah, I think it was Blatt. Um, who got fired not so, you know, later <laughs> after that. But, um, you know, I, I was never the biggest fan of, of Mike Budenholzer as a coach. Um, I think drawing the Suns in the in the finals definitely helped, and they did have an amazing year, and, and Giannis was imp- importantly healthy that season, which wasn't the case this year where – you know, he missed about, what, two and a half games, three games, basically, um, in that first-round matchup against Miami. So I think that played a huge role um, into them losing that series, but also not making the correct adjustments. I think he made a lot of questionable calls later in games where, um, you know, he wasn't calling timeouts when Miami was going on runs, wasn't calling timeouts when Jimmy Butler was literally yelling in their faces after going on, like, 12 runs. Um, I, I think, I, I think it's time for them to, you know, maybe get another coach into there. Um, um, but 
you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not too big on, you know, on Budenholzer as a coach. So I, I, I don't care uh, if he would have stayed or like just what just happened. He got fired. So um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of am right there with you. I think um, it, to me, it really like at the end of the day, I think like a lot of these teams like um, are going to go as far as the star player is going to take them, like Giannis and like um, with and Nick Nurse's situation. I mean, he had Kawhi, and after he lost Kawhi, um, not really the same situation there anymore. Um, found it a lot tougher to win um uh it's not that I, uh, Budenholzer or Nick Nurse or Frank Vogel aren't good coaches it's more just that um sometimes you just need a fresh voice in the locker room somebody that you know like can change things up a little bit um because I feel like after a certain amount of time like unless you're like you know like a team like the Warriors you know who have like a lot of veterans that like um are almost coaches in themselves. Um, whereas I feel like Giannis, it's not that Giannis isn't like a, a leader. It's more just that like a guy like Curry, like knows the game so freaking well that like, he's almost like a player coach in in some ways. Um, same with like Draymond and like guys like LeBron and stuff like that. So I feel like sometimes like with a guy like Giannis, like I feel like you need like maybe like a new voice in the locker room, kind of somebody that can like, bring some new concepts to the table and kind of just, I don't know, like change things up a little bit. Sometimes I felt like, you know, the Bucks at times, like even like last year, I felt like they could have beat the Celtics even without Middleton. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they kind of like, I don't know. It seemed like they, they kind of like got stagnant at times and I don't know. It just, I'm sure I'm so like kind of just like more just talking on it just because they did lose the series. Like I probably would have a much different tone if they didn't. <laughs> right. Um, but that's probably the same within the organization a little bit. Yeah, and it, I mean, this is n- not going to be the end of Mike Budenholzer as a coach. Like, he he will find oh, another no. job, especially since Udoka got hired for, from the Rockets. So if he can find, I know he was a good coach, but had his you know his issues, uh, which we've talked about in previous podcasts, but. Um, if he can find a coach or a job, I'm sure Mike Bootenholzer will probably take maybe a year off, two years off, and probably find a job uh, soon as a head coach or an assistant. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, and I know, like, he, uh, uh, the Celtics just won. 114 to 102. Yeah. It's a uh, deuce Tatum. Yeah, we'll talk about his dad after the game. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk about that game too, along with the Suns Nuggets game tomorrow with Adam. Kind of go more in depth on that, but uh, huge, yeah. huge victory for the Celtics to go up two one in that series. Oh yeah, and then uh, yeah, moving forward, uh, we could talk a little bit now about the reason why Budenholzer got fired, which is the Miami Heat. Um, they're, they're in a close series with the Knicks. Um, it's tied 1-1 right now, going back to um, – it, it's going to Miami now, right? It's going yeah. to Miami, yeah. But, the, so I mean – I couldn't even remember who was the higher seed for a second. <laughs> right. Well, Miami <laughs> was the eighth seed. That's why I think it was, you know, a big deal that the Bucks lost because um, – but I also did some research, and it's crazy. Uh, all the teams that are left in the playoffs – 
all have different seedings. So there's a one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, seven, and eight seed all left. Wow. That's I thought that crazy. was, yeah. I can't remember the last time I've seen that in any playoff scenario, whether it's basketball, hockey, uh, or football. So um, pretty all crazy. Right. You know, speaking of, of hockey, just for a, a brief second, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's actually pretty hilarious that both the number one or like number one overall records for uh, basketball and hockey both lost to an eight seed in the first round. Yeah, pretty uh, crazy. Boston Bruins lost to, I believe, what was it? The was it Florida? I think yeah, I think it was Florida, and they they lost. They blew a three one lead too. So right. Um, crazy but uh, pretty, i think pretty crazy in sports <laughs> yeah I, th- I think the main thing with this Knicks heat series is you know as we look at it, jimmy butler and and jalen brunson both game time decisions for tomorrow's game uh game three that is uh where the series is tied um uh coach tibbs commented today on brunson said uh he didn't do much in thursday's practice with the ankle injury and will be day to day um Personally, I'm leaning towards Brunson, you know, playing uh, tomorrow's game versus, you know, Jimmy Butler, who's dealing with and also dealing with an ankle injury. Um, I, I can see Jimmy probably um, either sitting out this game and wait until game four or, you know, we really haven't heard much from Miami's corner on, you know, the status of Jimmy Butler. But um if Miami is missing Jimmy Butler at home for game three and possibly game four, Matt, what does this mean for the Heatles? Um, you know, I think it's tough to tell, like, if he'll play or not. They're, they definitely keep it pretty close. Um, and honestly, probably a smart reason to do so, kind of. Uh, so the Knicks don't really know what to game plan for completely. Um, but really, I think, you know, the Heat, I think they got a really good game out of their role players last game, but I don't know if it's always going to be there for them. I think part of it was that, like, the Knicks were kind of laboring a little bit too with Brunson, and then Randall just got back last game um, because he was out game one. Um, Played a lot better. I I would like to think that the Knicks – or, I mean, honestly, if you're a Knicks fan, you should think that they're going to win if Jimmy's not playing. Right. Um, And – I feel like they'll they'll lose the series if they don't win if Jimmy's not playing. Um, just because that you know when they're missing a guy of Jimmy's talent, like you should win that game. Like especially when Bam's playing, like he's like a backup center at times. <laughs> like <laughs> obviously he's always playing good on defense, but so his offense really just hasn't been there this postseason so far. Yeah, it's um, on and off. It kind of depends on like if his mid range jumper is hitting. Because if that's hitting, then you know that center has to come out at him, and then he can get you know those easy layups, dunks, etc. Yeah, definitely. And then Kyle Lowry, uh, he's actually been playing really good these playoffs. I thought, yeah, or I've yeah. thought. Um, no, I agree. So he's important. Um, Caleb Martin's actually been really balling out too. He's actually kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, they're going to Kevin Love's been good. Big game out of him. K Love's been good, just throwing ninety foot passes. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see if Jalen Brown plays and at what level he can play at. Because you mean Brunson? Yeah, well, isn't that what I said? I think you said Jalen Brown, but um, oh. um, yeah, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, maybe a big I one. did, but 
because I think he'll make it. He makes a huge difference, obviously. Um, I think he he definitely uh, gives them kind of like a calming presence on offense that helps with Julius Randle too. Um, so I think that'll be big in Miami because it can get pretty loud in Miami when the game's close and the fans are still there. Um, yeah, they'll probably leave at halftime though if they're down by ten. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you're always yeah, bringing always back like what is it? Cri- <laughs> what is it? 2016 vibes, or no? 24, yeah, 2014 vibes when where they just left fans left down. <laughs> that was just so surprising to me that that even happened. Yeah, but um, yeah, but this honestly is. I hope Jimmy's back because I feel like this series is great. Um, it's not quite as high, like high scoring as like the Warriors, but it's like. I don't know. It's probably probably one of the best two series. Well, let's just be honest here. Like this series isn't going to be the same without Jimmy Butler playing for the Heat. Like this game's not as an interesting as a watch if Jimmy's not playing healthy, or if he's not healthy. Like if, even if he's eighty percent, which most players around this time are not a hundred percent, they're probably around that seventy eighty percent um, goal rate. But uh, just having him in. You know, those games is going to mean a lot more to not only Miami, but also just the fans in general watching it. But uh, another player we didn't bring up was R.J. Barrett. I thought R.J. Barrett's been a lot better towards the end of that Cavs series and now moving into this Miami series. I think he's looked a lot good or a lot better for uh, New York. Also, Matt, I didn't. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, a celeb was at the uh, Knicks arena. Obviously, they have a lot of celebs, but. Uh, maybe one you, that might ring a bell for you in uh, Alex Rodriguez, owner of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, so, you know, just another blow to Minnesota fans, just seeing, uh, you know, another, you know, guy like A-Rod, who's the owner for us, going to watching winning basketball, not watching Timberwolves basketball. So I thought that was funny to see him there. You know what else I, I actually thought was funny about that was that there was also a report this week about a Knicks T-Wolves cat trade, um, right. which is uh, pretty ironic that that would come out when A-Rod's in New York watching uh, the Knicks play. Um, yeah, should we write it down on paper but, right now? Cat gets traded to the Knicks? <laughs> to the Knicks. Done yeah, deal? I mean, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Not, not too much thoughts on that right now, but uh, there's also another celeb there, and that was uh, the newest uh, New York Jet quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Did a nice job bringing them a loss in that game one. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully we <laughs> might see a lot of losses from the Jets. I don't know. They have a pretty good squad, but um, yeah. that, that um, trade finally got, uh, got done, so... Um, Matt, do you have any closing remarks before we end the, end the pot? I'll just open up the floor to you. Whatever you want to get out there, any opinions, whatever you got. Um, no, I think right, right now, um, yeah, I'm pretty much set with uh, everything. I feel like right now I'm still probably riding on that Warriors for winning it all. Um, yeah, I got not Lakers. Just from last so. night, but um, – That'd be my pick in the West still, and then the East, my pick's probably the Celtics. That's I think that's why I picked at the beginning of the year, so I'm still sticking with it. I think it's going to be a rematch, and Warriors are going to take it again. Mm. I'm still sticking by it, too. Well, I start off with 
uh, Celtics Clippers, I believe, and I had the Celtics winning. Um, but I'm going to have to change it. I still think I have the Celtics winning it all, but uh, I'm picking the Lakers to get there just for my boy LeBron. See him get maybe one more chance, one more crack at a ring, but um, it'll be cool to kind of have this little rivalry between the two of us, between you know the Warriors, you and Steph, and then me and LeBron and the Lakers. So uh, yeah, it should be the a good series. My, well, actually, Adam seems probably taking the L. Yeah, Phoenix Suns. <laughs> we should so. <laughs> For uh, tomorrow's podcast, let's make a bet. We'll do a bet on whoever makes it farther between Lakers, Warriors, and Suns. And then uh, we'll come up with some sort of uh, bet on that and then uh, get it to you guys. Put it in, uh, yeah. put it on paper. That, that, that would be fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll have – I talked about this. We'll have Adam on the next podcast, probably talk about the Suns a lot more. We'll also bring you guys – um, another lightning round since we'll have the three of us. So um, I think Matt will do the lightning round this time around, and then uh, we'll see how I am at uh, answering some of these questions. So hopefully they're not too hard. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to get your your revenge on Adam. I know, I know. But uh, big thanks to uh, all of our listeners. If you enjoy the content, make sure to like and follow while also checking us out on our socials that's twitter instagram facebook and tiktok uh big shout out to matt today um a lot of great takes a lot of great research that you gave us today um i appreciate all of that today matt um uh stay also, tuned sh- shout out paulo if you want to come on the pod let yeah. us know <laughs> we're over for business paulo um i don't know if we have the money to be able to sway him <laughs> to come on but probably not <laughs> no but hey maybe like a free gift card to like uh subway or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something small but we'll try our best um well like i said we'll have a podcast probably coming out we'll do it tomorrow but it'll probably come out sunday morning um so that'll be uh, fun to kind of get uh, Adam back on the pod. Um, from us here at Shots to Side, we wish you guys a great weekend. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, or concerns, please type it into our comment sec- section below or send it to our mailbag at shotsaside at gmail.com where we can get it more quickly and easily. Uh, speaking of the comment section, I want you guys to comment below whose side you're on, whether it's uh, me um, and LeBron and the Lakers winning it? Or uh, are you going with Matt and his arguments for uh, Chef Curry and the Warriors in this series? So <laughs> type in your shot to side member, whether it's Alex or Matt, and then give your reasoning behind your choice. Uh, we can't wait to read the comments. Hopefully you guys are swayed towards my side, but I understand if you guys are Steph Curry and Matt fans. So, um, But that'll wrap it up uh, for the episode today. And like always, guys, Peace out. Peace.